listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexel, what a pass to Anders. A king follows. Branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Up shot. Oh, it's Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slam the Jamma presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Yanez and you can follow me on Twitter at Ayanez underscore five. I've covered the University of Houston Athletics beat for the past three seasons now, covering them for Apollo Media. And I'm joined by my co-host, Dayan. Introduce yourself. Take it away, man. What's up? I'm Dayan Dunlap. If you don't know me, you should already. Just do yourself a favor and follow me on Twitter at Dayan Dunlap. Also, be sure to follow the official Apollo account. That's Apollo H-O-U. Make sure you subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. We got a great show, Andy. I'm, I'm happy to continue to talk cool with sports, man. It's a lot going on. Yeah, for sure. And on that note, also be sure to follow the official Pod Slamma Jamma Twitter account on at Pod Slamma Jamma, like you see in the description of this podcast. That's P A W D Slamma Jamma. Obviously, an homage to the old five Slamma Jamma days. And Dayon, like you mentioned, we got a lot to talk about in the world of UH athletics specifically. We'll start with the UH football team who on Friday nights did something that has only been done once in the previous 75 years of the history of the University of Houston football team. And that was go undefeated in conference after they beat Memphis a 31 to 13 and to, to cap off a perfect eight and all record against the American athletic conference overall that extended their winning streak to now 10 in a row after dropping that first game of the season to Texas tech day on. There were a lot of takeaways, even a lot of scary moments, obviously with the injury to Donovan mutant who uh, on Saturday, the university of Houston football team released an update saying that mutant had been released from the hospital. Um, he had only gone to the hospital due to uh, precautionary reasons. They said he was in good spirits. So hopefully it's not any long-term injury for him. Although it was a scary moment, obviously having to be carted off the field and just that whole process. Even I know after the game, Dana Horgerson said, well, all the years he's been in football, that was the first time he's ever had one of his players have to be carted off, which is obviously that's something that we wish that would never have to happen in the game. And you hate to see it happen, but good, good for him that he's in good spirits and that he was released out of the hospital the next day. A day on going back to the football field. What were your main takeaways of that win? That honestly, <clears throat> it was a bit weird. You, we always talk about the Houston Memphis rivalry, regardless of sport, there always seems to be some spark. And that was certainly the case on Friday, even before the game, there was some, uh, some jawing going on between both of those teams and even the infamous Memphis player that they put, I guess now we have the pause down the Cougs third ward signed down. Um, that was the first time I had ever seen that. Dan, what were, what were your takeaways? It was definitely a little chippy. I think there's definitely some a rivalry between the two. But it's just as far as the football game, it was it was a 
Interesting game. I mean, Clayton for the first time threw a couple picks in a long time, but just the way that that game transpired, the way Houston won, I was it was an ugly game, but the way Houston won, it was it was it was good to see because it's not always going to be as an easy um, or just a a clean game. And so the way that they battled adversity inside of the game and they were still able to execute, you can tell they definitely were a different team when Alton McCaskill went down. And so hopefully that he's um, doing well and he'll be good going for the next couple games. But the defense stood out to me per usual. They've done an outstanding job as a unit. I know we talked about Coach Doug Bell throughout this entire football season. So it's pretty much doing what Houston does. Marcus Jones, I think, definitely made his Heisman case. He definitely, I feel like, should be in New York. But the way he's been able to perform, not only within the last couple of weeks, um, having interceptions. Now, what is it, four or five straight games? He has two kick returns, two punt returns, a receiving touchdown. How can he not be in New York? Yeah, for sure. Marcus Jones has put on one incredible resume this entire season. And I mean, honestly, what he can what can he do? He's shown off literally all three facets of the game that he's he's a, a game changer. And no matter what position they put him in, it's something that the ESPN broadcast joked about during the game where they, they if UH could put him at quarterback and he'll probably find a way to have success doing that but yeah like you mentioned he had one heck of a performance which really the way Clayton Toon described it after the game was a Madden type interception where he just straight up it looked like it was gonna be an overthrow and he it seemed like he climbed up the ladder was able to secure the ball and then just come down with a pick it was certainly interesting like you mentioned uh Clayton Toon also for the first time since uh, early October, I think it was against Tulsa. That was the last time he he threw an interception in the game. He threw two against Memphis. Uh, one of them a bit uh, trippy where it, it kind of bounced off his intended target, popped straight into the air, into the hands of the Memphis defenders. But I think one thing that, that was good off of that, um, it, it didn't seem like Clayton Toon was rattled, something we saw early in the season, especially in that Texas Tech game when he threw that pick six that tied the game early. It seemed like that had rattled Clayton Toon early in the season. It didn't seem like he 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 was phased by it as much in this game. And he he did a good job, at least in my opinion, of putting those turnovers behind him and continuing to follow the game plan. And even like you mentioned, Alton McCaskill went down, but Tejon Henry stepped in. He filled in. He did. He had a lot of good. So he finished with 73 total yards and a touchdown in McCaskill's place. And obviously they're better when they have both of those running backs. But I think for the most part, Houston was able to adjust good. And I mean, still considering, like you said, how weird the game was, they still won by 18 points. And I think I think that's impressive as well. Yeah, it is impressive. And going back to your point with Clayton Toon, I definitely saw the same thing that you saw. He definitely didn't look rattled. He didn't look shaken at all. And I think that goes back just to the confidence that Coach Hogerson and the entire team has um, put inside him. Well, not put inside him. I'm sure he's confident already. But just kind of helped instill and ensure that they're confident in him. And so he bounced back. He didn't look shaken up. And I was still impressed with the way he distributed the ball. I, I didn't. Every time Jeremy Singleton touched the ball, I'd be surprised on how explosive he is with the ball in his hands because he rarely – he doesn't really just get many opportunities just to really show his explosiveness. But when he does get the ball in his hands, he explodes and makes an explosive play. Tank did what Tank normally does. Tank Dell, that is, and he shined. But 
I was I was very impressed with the win. Like you said, it was it was kind of ugly, but an eighteen point win, and which counts in in the win column. Right and for sure. Going back to our um, our, remember our preseason rankings. I mean, our rankings, our preseason when we guessed the record. I think I'm right on point. If they can take care of business against UConn and then play Cincinnati and have that one loss. We both were pretty much close because you had two losses. I had one losses. Yeah, for sure. I think when we saw the schedule early on, we we got a sense that, you know, when you look at it, they had the opportunity to stack up a lot of wins, especially with um, how the conference schedule had matched up. They didn't have to play Cincinnati in the regular season. They didn't have to play UCF and those type of kind of historically the past few seasons have been towards the top of the American athletic conference and the way it kind of worked out where, and this is something that we've talked about previously where it's impressive where this team came from after they dropped that game against Texas tech. Honestly, it seemed like morale for the team and the program as a whole, when it comes from an outside perspective, honestly, it seemed like it was at an all time low. And, but we mentioned last week when, Donovan Mutant and and those uh, players that talked after the Temple game, they said they were never rattled. They kind of used that fuel. They came together. They had a meeting after that loss against Texas Tech, and they said that they were not going to lose again. And it's absurd that they, they've won 10 in a row since then. They've done a completely 180 in terms of where the program was. Now the morale is as high as it's been the last couple of seasons. And you know, they have one game left in the regular season, and it, it's going to be a, an 11 a.m. kickoff Houston time against UConn, which it, it'll be an interesting way to see how they come out of that game. They're going to be heavy favorites to beat UConn and heavy favorites to finish 11-1, and one, regardless of what happens at, at that game against UConn, which they should win, and it certainly would be a letdown if, if they can't put away UConn, but they're locked in for December 4th. It's, it's going to be the matchup is set. It's going to be Houston versus Cincinnati in the American Athletic Championship game, three o'clock, December 4th on ABC. The only thing that is yet to be decided is where that championship game will be, whether it be in Houston or Cincinnati. And that'll be dependent on if the Bearcats can beat East Carolina, who gave Houston problems when they they played here um, about a month ago on. Yeah, about a month ago. I think it was October 20 third or so that crazy game that got delayed by like five hours and, and the overtime game. But so East Carolina is one of those scrappy teams. So it's not a lock per se, but if Cincinnati plays like they did last week against uh, SMU, uh, it's going to be tough for East Carolina to pull off the upset. And it certainly looks like it'll be Houston, Cincinnati in Cincinnati. Now they on, this, this is going to be the interesting point because Oregon got demolished against Utah on Saturday, which opens the door to Cincinnati in all likelihood. It seems like it should be a lock. You can never say for sure with the college football playoff committee, but it seems like Cincinnati should be locked in to have one of those top four spots. Now it gets a lot more interesting because Houston has a legitimate shot to be the only team standing in the way between having the first G five school make the college football playoff, which if Houston can upset that, that, that would make this an all-time historic season for Houston. What say you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely uh, agree with that. It would be a, a huge upset. But really, let's just get into previewing the matchup between Cincinnati and Houston. Just kind of looking at the two teams. I saw Cincinnati play a, 
few times this year. I've seen them in person over the number of years. And just starting with their quarterback, Desmond Ritter. He's, re- he's a really good quarterback. I think he will be playing on Sundays. And for Houston, it's pretty much doing what they've been able to do all season, pressuring the quarterback with four and not having to blitz and they can play coverage. But they have a really good running back, the Alabama transfer running back. And so not only will their front four have to get pressure on Ritter, but they must be able to stop the run and try to make Cincinnati one-dimensional as far as the defensive philosophy goes. I think Cincinnati will make plays because Desmond Ritter is that good offensively, it's just for Clayton and the entire offensive um, unit to execute. I think Alton will have a big game here in Tejon, like you said, one of the, a really good one-two punch with Tank Dell. They're going to really, really key on him. So Jeremy Singleton, um, Trey Hitt, Seth Green, Irwin, all, everyone else, even Carter after the backfield, I think will be tasked making plays against the Cincinnati matchup. I expect Cincinnati to take care of business. Houston to take care of business against UConn. And I feel like Cincinnati should get that number four spot. I don't think they should be viewed as a group five school, although they are. You know, they're going into the Big 12 with Houston. And then and it'd be different. But I'm looking forward into that match. What are you looking – what are you seeing as far as some key points with Cincinnati and Houston face off? Well, I think for sure you hit it. Uh, right on the money with that first point in terms of trying to make Cincinnati's offense one-dimensional, which is going to be hard because, like you mentioned, Desmond, Desmond Ritter, who um, he's probably set up to be not only play on Sundays, but probably be a first-round pick uh, on that first day during the NFL draft. And it, it, with Desmond Ritter, it's tricky because you could – feel like you have a good game game plan one moment and in an instant he could just wreck it with the ability that he has of scrambling and being able to just be that game wrecker. He's rushed he, for he six touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. Yep. He's rushed for six yep. touchdowns on a season. Obviously, he's shown that he can pass. He, he's thrown for 25 touchdowns. He's just honestly a, a multidimensional athlete at an elite level that's, that's tricky. And that's something that when they played uh, Cincinnati last season, I felt like Houston's defense did a decent job of holding them for the most part in the first half. And then in the second half, they they just broke. It was a lot of Ben, Ben, Ben. And then in the second half, it broke. And UH's offense just was not able to keep up with uh, what the defense had been able to keep Cincinnati in check. That's going to be something that's going to have to be different this time around in terms of you've mentioned Clayton Tooney for the first time in a while. He had adversity again, just throwing turnovers, not having his best running back available to him. Uh, I think it's a lot's going to be on Clayton Toon to be able to continue to make those plays and going back to, to the game against Memphis. I think Clayton Toon has done a much better job overall of when the play's not there and it he, he buys time. He's still his mo- his mobility is a big asset for Clayton Toon, but he's not trying to force throws anymore. He'll extend plays and if it's still not there, he'll, he's content with throwing it away. Even one of his touchdowns came off a scramble drill where he just rushed for 20 for 20 or so yards and was able to score a touchdown against Memphis. That's that's the claim tune that's going to have to show up smart, not try to make too many plays and just rely on the, that running game. And when obviously your playmakers, whether it be Nathaniel Dell or his tight end, Christian Trey says greens, he showed that he has all these assets around him. So he doesn't have to try to be a Superman and try to make all these plays. That's going to be the key um, in terms of UH on offense now, the, the matchup will be interesting. And obviously, they're not going to be matching up against each other. But 
Cincinnati has a very good defensive back themselves. We talk, just talked about Marcus Jones. They have theirs and Kobe Bryant. So it'll be interesting to see how he matches up with Nathaniel Dell and how Marcus Jones leaves his impact on the game. That's going to be another key matchup to look for. But that's still down the road. Cincinnati has to take care of business. Dale, from your perspective, this is something we asked in our folks talking show, uh, folks talking sports show a while ago. If you were in Houston's shoes, would you prefer to have the American Athletic uh, Championship game host it or travel on the road and try to beat Cincinnati at Cincinnati and ruin their college football playoff hopes on the road? Which which would you prefer? I would prefer on the road. The, the, the tougher tags, it, it, it just looks better from the outside looking in on the road against a ranked team who hasn't lost. I would definitely would say on the road. It would just it'll be even more a bigger win, it seems, just because you'll be even a bigger underdog on the road. You might be a little bit more favored if you were at home. So definitely, I'll, I'll have to say on the road. And to go back real quick to one of your points on Clayton Toon, I do have to give him his flowers because I've been very impressed with his pocket presence. I've seen growth with him within the pocket. He doesn't get erratic and go run out too soon or just – take a sack, especially in that last game. I saw him scramble out whether it's making a throwaway, check down, uh, extending the play. So Clayton Toon definitely, within this season, he's got better. And if he can continue to extend, I think he may have a chance to potentially make, make a case for being the NFL quarterback if he continues to develop in the way he's developing. For sure. And uh, and. In all likelihood, he'll probably be back next season, but he certainly has the uh, the blueprint in front of him. A couple of players that have played for UH in the past and are playing on Sundays. I mean, the first name that comes to mind is Kyle Allen, who you know was able to build up and and get to that next level into the NFL on Sundays. Now, down before we transition over to women's basketball in our second segment, uh, UConn. That's the last game of the season. What do you want to see from Houston? Uh, next Saturday before they head into the American Athletic Championship game? I want to see a three-touchdown victory. I want to see Houston win by at least 21 points in dominating fashion, come out early, set the tone for whoever is on the field first, offense, defense, or if it's Marcus Jones taking a kick return or anything back. Set the tone early. I want to see a blowout victory. Come out and let them know you want to take care of business. You're not overlooking them, but you are the veteran team or dominant team. What about you? No, agree. Um, you hit everything down the line, um, especially when it comes to bad teams. You never want to let them hang around and give them just the hope because whenever you give a bad team a team that you should be, you're clearly superior on on paper and give them hope. It kind of it never turns out well for you. Is there always seems to be like those fifty fifty of plays end up going against you. So like you said, they have to come on, set the tone, and it'll be an early game. Uh, especially it, it's essentially an eleven a.m. kickoff uh, for them here in Central Time, which might be a little tricky. They're gonna have to be up. Get up for it. And, and like you said, the biggest challenge, in my opinion, will be not overlooking because they have Cincinnati a week from now. It's so easy to overlook UConn, who's not known for their football program. They've been one of the bottom teams in all of FBS for years now. But I mean, just go back a couple of seasons ago when Houston was in its prime. 
uh, and they lost to UConn. And that, that was an abysmal, that was a brutal loss for them. So it's happened before. And obviously, this is a much different group in terms of the people that are on the roster. I, I'd imagine most probably aren't even weren't even on the roster back then, but it, it's something that didn't happen too far away. So you can't get you can't overlook anyone like the whole saying goes any given day. Um, anything can happen. You got to respect your opponent. But like I said, they should they should jump out in front early and and just set the tone and get a lot of rest, get a lot of more players to kind of get get be able to get in the game and get good, um, be able to work on stuff that they're going to have to show against Cincinnati, get stuff on film to to make Cincinnati have to prepare for it. I think, like you said, that's going to be the key. Just jump on them early and not give them any hope. Yeah, for sure. Uh, don't give them any hope. Come out and do what you need to do. Don't look ahead, but we're going to transition to the hardwood. Women's basketball is going into the Cancun Challenge where they'll face some stiff competition. Their first matchup would be against Arizona State. Continue on here on Pots Number Challenge. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. And we are back on Pod Slime and Jamma covering your University of Houston athletics. My name is Andy Yanez. I'm here with Dayon Dunlap, and we're going to transition over to women's basketball who uh, coming off a win, which really it was a, a pretty dominant win against New Mexico, handing the Lobos their first loss of the season. Dayon, you called the game. I want to see your perspective on it. I'm going to be honest. I was surprised just how dominant they were able to put away New Mexico in that game. And really, uh, the three-pointers kind of, they caught fire from behind the three-point line, and that really carried them over New Mexico. What did you see from the game, Dayon, calling it? It was a hungry. I think they were hungry coming off of two losses in which one of them wasn't so bad because it was against NCAA team SFA and then that one against UTA and overtime. I feel like they definitely shouldn't have lost and they were hungry. And I think they paid attention to the scouting report and they executed the plan that they had coming into the game. They wanted to limit New Mexico's transition fast break points, and I believe they limited them to five, if my memory um, serves me correctly. And they were average. New Mexico came in averaging 85 points per game. And so they really limited them from doing everything that they wanted to do. And Houston came in averaging 23 turnovers per game. They were under 20, and they had um, more assists than turnovers. And like you said, they shot the three ball first half. They really wasn't making their threes. And then Rene Onyejay made three in a row. Layla Blair knocked down a couple. But Diamond Gladney pretty much controlled the game from a floor general perspective, a point guard perspective. She had a career half, nine assists. She did an outstanding job playing defense. And it really started with their defense with Bria Patterson with the press. And then Cam Jones came and gave him a spark. It was a very impressive team win. Tierra Young came off the bench and made three consecutive shots and got them going in the first half. And so it really shows their depth and all the talent that they have on their team. It's just about continuing to build that chemistry. And like you hear, it's early in the season. So I definitely feel like they still are going to be a good team. I can't wait to see them play some of the talent that they're going to face in this tournament, starting with Arizona State, a team that they – ending the season with in the WNIT tournament, which they were victorious. So that's going to be a tough challenge. And then 
Wednesday, I will face Baylor as well. If I'm not, I think on that Saturday, Saturday. And so it's a, it's some tough competition coming up from the women's team. Definitely should try to keep the momentum that they had against New Mexico and that blueprint sharing the basketball, getting out of transition, playing defense. I think they can make some noise. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned that game against UTA uh, earlier during the week, they lost in overtime and, Dan, I, I want to get your perspective from it. I, I was able to catch the end of the game. I was able to go back and look at the overtime game and uh, towards the end of the fourth quarter. To me, what really, and I agree that that was a game that Houston probably feels like they should have won. It's one of the games that they would like to have back because, honestly, I feel like they had a lot of opportunities to close the door in that game. They were up multiple times before overtime and even in the overtime period. And even they were able to get a lot of good open shots uh, Diamond Glanny being one of them in terms of just three pointers that were wide open, open baskets that they just couldn't convert on them. And uh, obviously, when you go back every time, every miss opportunity is something that you're going to hindsight. Oh, we should have made that open shot or that layup. But from your perspective, Dan, do you feel like that game against UTA is one that they they kind of let slip away? Or was it more of what you saw from the Mavericks and them being able to execute their defensive game plan? Nah, it was 100% Houston. And they really just struggled shooting the basketball. They were four from 20 from um, beyond the three-point line. They had 23 turnovers to only nine assists. They went on a 30-3 to run in the second quarter in which they had seven of those nine assists. And then they stopped sharing the basketball after that. And you just went downhill, but they still had moments within that game to win it. And so that's why I feel – the bounce back game against New Mexico, they came out with the level of intensity and it really dominated like they should have. They won 89 to 60 and, and stopped, limited the team, like I said, who averaged 85 points per game to only 60. And so they did let one slip away, but it's a long season. They, they got a really tough schedule. And if they can take care of business coming up here, and the Cancun Challenge, like against Arizona State, then Fordham, and then Baylor, then they'll be right back where they want to be. For sure, those are going to be three tough games. Before we, we touch on the, the Cancun Challenge, uh, I'm curious, with Layla Blair, you mentioned Tierra Young. Um, let's start with Blair first, who had her best game of the season, obviously, albeit barely uh a few games into the season, but she tied her career high with 19 points, played 27 minutes um, against New Mexico. Did, did she seem a lot more comfortable? I know that's something we touched on last, last podcast where it seems like and it's something that Ron Hughes still have to work on in terms of trying to figure out how these pieces fit because they have a lot of the players returning from last season and they're also mixing in a lot of these young players from Layla Blair uh, specifically. What have you seen from her? What did you see from her in the New Mexico game? And do you feel like she's more comfortable with her role or is it still too early on? Well, you know, Coach Huey made him and his coaching staff made an adjustment going into New Mexico. Layla Blair got her first start for Julia Black Shafir. And, you know, Black Shafir is coming off the ACL from a year ago. She started the first few games and then, they made that adjustment, and Layla Blair really excelled in it. She started off slow. I believe she went one for eight in the first half, and then she lit it up in the second half. She finished six for 15 from overall. She knocked down three threes in that second half, and she stayed aggressive. She, 
I think maybe took one shot where I feel like she forced it. Other than that, everything she took was in rhythm. Um, she moved the basketball. She played well in the defensive end. And the sky's the limit for Layla. She has all the talent in the world offensively. It's just not turning the basketball over and doing those little things to hurt her, her, hurt her team. Because it gives UTA, her and Tierra Young both led the team in scoring, but they both had five assists. And when your top guards who are doing most of the scoring and ball handling are turning it over at a high rate, and it's hard to win. So, Coach, we talked to uh, me and Matt Peterson after that UTA game about working with them into the starting lineup in practice and playing them all on the floor to, together because they give them um, more options offensively. And, and so I think Layla definitely is more comfortable starting. And she's going to continue to grow. I think she's – going to be a first-team all-conference player this year. She was picked up on a second-team preseason. I think when it's all said and done, she'll be first-team. For sure. And then the key stat for Ron Cutie, the one he's going to be looking at, only two turnovers for Layla Blair, which um, considering what she's been had a couple of rough games in the past, but in terms of turnovers, that's improvement there. But I'm sure he'd like to see her assist numbers look up. I know it's something we touched on in the past where sometimes that Blair kind of lasers in, lasers in on just trying to score the ball, and sometimes she misses a couple of teammates that, that would have an easier shot. Now, I want to, before we transition into the Cancun Challenge, Tara Young, obviously she's one of the new players that additions to the team. Uh, she certainly seems to be uh, have her consistent role so far on, on in with this team. What have you seen from her? And it, it, she's making an impact already, just going back against New Mexico. She had 12 points, played 15 minutes. What have you seen from Young? I really like what I'm seeing from Young. I think she's getting more and more comfortable. First game when I saw her against Howard, her jumper wasn't really falling, but she still affected the game. So that that shows me that she can really do everything on the floor. But then against New Mexico, she came in and hit three straight mid-range jumpers. And one of them, she got fouled, and it was an in one cause. She got in foul trouble, so that's why she didn't play more minutes. But I really like the one-two punch from her. She she. She doesn't really play outside of herself. She doesn't force any shots. She does. She took two three-pointers and made one of two, but she doesn't settle for three. She pretty much gets the shot that she wants at any time, gets where she wants on the floor. And I think she's going to be another player who could be an all-conference player. If she ends up in the starting lineup, I think she can, can be a first-team all-conference, but she has that type of talent for sure. Now, let's talk about that Cancun Challenge. You mentioned it. The three teams are going to have to play, Arizona State, Fordham, and Baylor. Let's start with Arizona State, who they met in the WNIT last season. Houston came away with the win. Uh, overall, when it comes to these three three opponents, they're going to be tough challenges, but what do you need to see from Houston? What improvement do you do you want to see um, in these three games before they, they have to, um, before the Cancun challenge, after the Cancun challenge ends, because then they're going to have, they're still going to have a tough schedule. Then they have to travel up to Alabama. So these next four games are going to be a tough challenge. Something we mentioned and something Ron Hughes talked about us on this show where they don't, they're not scared of any challenge. They, they embrace that challenge, but the, the problem with it is they're going to have to show out. What, what do you need to see from this team in those next three games? They are. I'm looking to see consistency, especially against Arizona State, a team that you're familiar with, who um, 
is going to be hungry to bounce back because you, you beat them a season ago. They started the season one and two, and so they're they're still proving themselves. But I, I want to see consistency if they can get past that team and then get past a good Fordham team, and then you have the undefeated Baylor team who they'll play on Saturday. So I want to see you compete and, and play consistency with the level and what they played against New Mexico. That's what I'm looking to see in the Cancun Challenge. For sure. I'm really looking forward to see how they match up against Baylor. Obviously, um, eventually down the road, however long it lasts for UH to, to officially make that move to the Big 12, that's going to be someone they're going to start to get they should start getting a lot familiar with because it's someone that they're going to be seeing a lot more of in the next coming years. I'm going to be curious to see how they match up. And obviously Baylor historically has been one of those top tier programs year in and year out dominating, honestly, the NCAA uh, women's tournament scene, but that's going to do it for our second segment transitioning. We'll talk more on the other side of the break, talking about the men's basketball team who will also be a part of their own tournament uh, invitational next week. They start the the Maui invitational on Monday. They tip off against Butler 3 30 PM Houston time. And they will, depending on that game, will either play Texas A&M or Wisconsin. That's going to be an interesting tournament. We'll talk more about it coming right up on Palestine Pajama covering your UH hoops. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Continuing on here on Slam with Gemma. Going to the men's side, like you said, Andy, the men's are competing in their own tournament, the Maui Invitational. And they're playing against Butler. Butler only lost on the season against Michigan State. Butler, another, I wouldn't say, uh, they're, they're like a program who, a really good program, but not like a big name. But in college basketball, they've played themselves into a, a, a big name and a big brand. But one of those smaller schools, I, I'm excited to see them match up um, with Houston what are you looking forward to when Houston takes on Butler? Yeah, I think the number one thing that they were going to be looking for is if Tremont Mark plays. I know that on Friday during his availability to reporters, Kelvin Sampson said that Tremont Mark has a chance to finally make his season debut during, could be against Butler. He said sometime during the Maui Invitational, there's a chance Tremont Mark makes a season debut. Obviously, that's going to be a huge boost for the team coming off his first season with the team when he was able to do in the NCAA tournament during that run. I'm just going to be curious to see how he looks uh, and really hopefully that it's something that he's been able to put behind him in terms of that shoulder injury that's been bothering him. And I just want to see if he does get on the floor, how he looks like. Is he comfortable? Um, his jump shot, is, is his shoulder injury still affecting him? And that's going to be the number one thing to watch on. The second and and the pod slam demo, we haven't talked about it yet, but we did the Twitter space after the uh, dominating performance they had against Virginia, holding them to just 47 points in a game that I mean, they jumped out on top early. They had an eight all run and they never looked back. <clears throat> I want to see if they can carry that momentum into this Butler, into the Mali Invitational Tournament, obviously against Butler first. 
Marcus Sasser, Connor Edwards, they carried a lot of the offensive firepower in that game against Virginia. Um, the second thing to watch, and it kind of relates to Toronto Mark, is health because we saw in that game, Connor Edwards, Fabian White, Josh Carlton, Reggie Chaney, they all seem to be dealing with injuries uh, from different type of uh, perspective. Some look, it could have been cramps. Others look like they might have been more serious in the case of Reggie Chaney, who had a injury on his uh, one of his arms that was really bothering him. So that's going to be, unfortunately, the first two things that I'll be looking for. It has nothing to do specifically with with what you see on the court, but more in terms of health. The second thing will be, um, can they continue that dominating performance, especially on defense where against Rice, against Virginia, they've they've really done a good job of shutting their offenses down and really not giving them a chance at making them seem lost, to be quite honest, on offense. And even against Hofstra, where they, they initially were doing a good job with their defense, it was just that second, those second chance opportunities, not being able to finish those possession with rebounds. That's been the number one thing that Houston has done good overall in the first three games of the regular season. Dayon, what say you? Man, I pretty much echo the same thing you said. Houston is going to come out and play the Houston way, and they've done that on the defensive end, locking people down. And really, I just love their system on how they hedge um, and kind of trap and, and force to either keep the ball on one side or force it to move. And so I think that that's really good in the college game because you don't have a defense of three seconds. You can have a big body standing in the paint and they try not to allow anything going in the middle of the defense. And so, but offensively, man, like I'm going, let's go back to Trayvon Mark. I, I hope he makes his debut. I, I, I pretty much heard the same thing too did. And, and I think um, I was talking with Jeremy Branham yesterday. He does the radio for the men's and women's, and he was going to be traveling to call the game. And he said, um, we were talking about what they were missing from Traymond Mark and their, his playmaking ability, not only the score for himself, but playmake for others. And just just to get focus off of Marcus Sasser because Marcus has been playing so well and people are going to be keying on him. So you get another score like that, then you still have Kyla Edwards to spread the floor with the way he can shoot the ball. And so I'm looking for them to just continue to put it all together. Still early in the season. I know, I love how Coach Sampson's temperament, he never gets too high, gets too low, especially if they take an early season loss. He always says he prefers if he takes them, take them early in the season and be playing well going into um, March and April. And so – I, I want to see how they match up with Butler. I'm, I expect that they beat Butler. Butler struggled against Mississippi State, and, and that was their last game. They got beat by 21 points. They only scored 52 points, so they're going to face a, another good defensive team in Houston. And if they struggle to score against Mississippi State, I haven't seen Mississippi State. I just know how good Houston's defense is. So we'll have to see if that's something um, that happens. But I can't wait. I think Houston's going to have a, a, a good run in Maui. And Coach Simpson said uh, um, he's not he's not taking it for granted. You can't just put an invitation in to go to Maui. We have to be invited, and they were invited because they're a good program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Butler actually got uh, lost by 21 to Michigan State, uh, not Mississippi State, but 
um, like you you mentioned, they struggled. And that was at home, too. That was at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Um, if you're a team and you're struggling offensively, the last thing you want to do is face Houston, who we mentioned are coming off two dominant performances. I think, I guess the other key thing that you're going to be looking for over on this tournament, it's just going to be, like you mentioned, that in order to be in the Mali Invitational, you have to get invited. And you see some of these teams that, that are part of it. There's a chance Houston gets to play either Notre Dame, Oregon, and the other bracket, depending on how the outcome of it goes. It'll be interesting. Before the loss to BYU, Oregon was expected to be one of those top teams. Um, now they're probably still going to finish top once it's all said and done at the end of the, the regular season. So overall, it doesn't matter who they play. They're going to have a tough challenge. And honestly, I'll be really interested to see if Houston ends up matching up with Texas A&M in this tournament because that's not a matchup you see very often. Um honestly at a hall. So it'll be a rare opportunity to get to see Houston play one of these other brand name, Texas schools. Um, honestly, the, the main one would be if they can play Texas, but that kind of rivalry you don't see often will always be nice to see. And from, from a Houston perspective, like you mentioned, what Tremont Mark brings to the table in terms of his play playmaking is something that they've missed early on. I think the other thing you got to watch for is Jamal Shannon, just to see how he continues to develop throughout the season. Like we mentioned again on the Twitter space after the Virginia game. Um, one thing that's been a positive, uh, which it's hard to say when it comes to injuries, but the one positive one, the one silver lining for the team has been, this kind of thrust Jamal shed into, into that role to play heavy minutes, to have to be that playmaker whenever, especially when Marcus Sasser uh, has to rest and, and goes and sits down. Um, it's been, it's, it's been crucial for Jamal shed has been a, a very good learning experience for him just to be able to get those um, important minutes and, and get a better sense of being able to play. Cause at the end of the day, that's something Calvin Sampson said, it, Jamal said it's the second year, but really it's his, you could, you could make the argument that it's kind of a freshman year for him because he's finally getting heavy minutes, something he didn't get a lot, uh, didn't get the opportunity for a lot last season, just in terms of the, how veteran led that team was a year ago. So I think Shed's certainly been the one that's benefited the most uh, from Houston's injuries. And I'll be curious to see when these players start coming back, when there's a chance Tremont comes back soon, how Calvin Sampson incorporates Shed and you see them growing. And it's something that we said before the season, one of the biggest strengths of this team is that depth that they have. Arguably, they're probably a lot deeper than they were a season ago. And it's something that's just going to continue to work in their favor if they can develop Shed into a consistent playmaker uh, that can lead the offense when Tremont Mark or Marcus Sasser aren't on the floor. Yeah, but I, and I don't think Tremont Mark coming back will um, play any role as far as demanding Jamal Shedd's at all because it's different positions. Jamal Shedd is coming in at the point guard and moving Marcus back to the wing, and Jamal Mark will be on the wing. So it will be Jamal and a lot of those moments, Marcus and Tremont, and maybe they play small or they play with Kyler out there as well and Fabian or whoever's high, you know, Coach Simpson. He doesn't. He will play whoever's hot and whoever's playing well whenever wing. But I, I don't think Tremont coming back will, will affect Jamal's um, minutes at all or his development because they're both um, playing two different positions and two different styles. I and mean, I do think him his development is vital though because they need someone who comes in and settles them down. Uh, 
and it, it can get them into their sets when the game slows down and execute in the half. For sure. And that, that's pretty much going to do it before we kind of sign off day on uh, anything specific that, that whether it comes to the butter matchup or some of these other schools, Texas A&M, Wisconsin, Oregon, is there one matchup that you would really like to see in this tournament? Uh, I, I think I agree with you. Um, what, what you said, Texas A&M. Yes, sir. I said Texas A&M. You don't get to see yeah. that often. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Yeah, I think I, I think that's one I would I would like to see too, just for bragging rights as well, because I know people that went to A&M. It's an in-state thing. I, I think I will go with A&M as well. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to sub- subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, whether it be on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. We'd greatly appreciate it. And be sure to follow at Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, videos, podcasts, and more. The original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. Dayon, sign off for us. And thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. Well, yeah, th- another good episode. Thank y'all. Make sure you follow me on Twitter. Follow the Poslin Majama on Twitter. We're going to be doing some more Twitter spaces as well. So for our listeners who listen to our podcast and follow us on Twitter, we've got good feedback with that. So make sure you follow us and stay tapped in with us. And always go cool, man.